This is the Spurs Cast with your host, Paul Garcia. And welcome back to another episode of the Spurs Cast. In today's episode, I'll be joined by Project Spurs writer Colin Reed, where we'll discuss the Spurs in their last four games, Victor Wembanyama being named to the rookie rising stars, and Wemby's chances of making the all-star team. Let's go ahead and jump right into this episode with Colin. Colin, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing very well. Um, so let's first begin with the Spurs um, uh, games. You know, um, they had a really good chance of coming away this past week with some really good wins. And then that latest game against Washington was kind of a letdown for the team. So let's talk about their past four games, Colin, since you and I both recorded um, an episode about a week ago. So let's go back to last Wednesday. And, and I do want to note that we're recording this on a Tuesday evening, um, January 30th. So last Wednesday, the Spurs are hosting the Oklahoma City Thunder. They end up losing by 26 here. Um, kind of expected that the Thunder are one of the top four teams in, in the league. Um, San Antonio has struggled uh, against them this, this year. So um, it was close for about one half. And then in the second half, OKC completely blew this game um, open and led by as many as 32. We do want to note that Trey Jones was out of this game due to an, an injury. So there was no Trey Jones for San Antonio. Then on Friday, the Spurs are still at home, and this time they're hosting the Portland Trailblazers. So the Spurs were favored in this game. They ended up winning this game pretty comfortably by 16 points. Um, it was close in the first half, but in the second half, it was San Antonio who really took control and held a comfortable lead. Uh, Victor Wimbanyama ends this night with 23 points and 12 rebounds. Jeremy Sohan had 31 points and 14 boards. And then Keldon Johnson off the bench had 21 points and 16 rebounds as well. So uh, Jeremy and uh, Keldon really there, right there on the glass. And of course, Wemby just being Wemby and putting up Wemby-type numbers. Then on Saturday, this was the, I would say, the best win of the Spurs this season so far. So again, second night of a back-to-back, the Spurs are hosting the, um, they're a top two team at this time. Um, the Minnesota Timberwolves are actually number one now. They're hosting the Minnesota Timberwolves in San Antonio. The Spurs, who were down by as many as 15 points in the first half, make a comeback and ended up winning this game by one point that they, they out executed the wolves there in crunch time. And, and even though Minnesota was without Mike Conley, they were still favored by almost 11 points. I mean, so, you know, this was not supposed to be a game that San Antonio was supposed to be close in or the fact that they actually came back and won. Um, so uh, Devin Vassell had a great night here, 25 points. Wemby had 23 points and 10 rebounds. And then even Trey Jones had a double double with, with 12 points and 11 assists. Uh, and again, this was the best one of the season considering the circumstances, considering the opponent. And so, you know, the Spurs win this game on Saturday and, and really like spirits are high. You know, they beat the number one team uh, in the Western conference. And so you think, Oh, and, and they were on, so they had won two games in a row. And so they were, they had their potential to win their first have, have their first three game winning streak of the season. So they, they've gotten close twice where they've won two in a row, but they can never get three in a row. And so you see Washington, an eight win team coming to town. And after San Antonio went and beat Washington last week um, in, in Washington. So you, you think, Oh, this will be an easy win for the Spurs. It looked that way for, for a bit. So um, so Spurs come out early against Washington, leading by 14 points. Then in the second half, San Antonio builds a 10 point lead. But for some reason, the Spurs just cannot, you know, push that lead over. Washington's always just kind of hanging in there. And so it goes down to crunch time. Um, the Spurs are um, are barely up by two with three minutes left. Washington takes the lead. They end up holding that lead, getting the stops that they need, out executing San Antonio. And so the Wizards win this game by five points, a game that the Spurs um, were expected to win. Uh, Vegas had San Antonio favored. Uh, Devin Vassell had a great night with 24 points. Wemby had 22 points, um, 11 rebounds, and three blocks. But he did have a little bit of uh, difficulty in the first half with turnovers with four turnovers. And then Jetty Osmond had a really good night with 20 points. 
And then Sohan, who had just had 31 a few games ago against um, uh, Portland, he ends up with just two points. And so he's had a few of those where it's just uh, two points on the night. So, you know, Vegas said the Spurs were supposed to go two and two. They ended yeah. up going two and two, but probably not against the teams that we thought they would do that to. I just think that this was a, you know, a, a bit of a, you kind of expected from a young team, but you know, it was a wasted opportunity to, to potentially go three and one in this last four games. What were, what were your thoughts on how the Spurs went in these, these past four games? Yeah. Um, just to talk about the, the wizards loss first, just because we can get that out of the way. I, I felt like they did not look sharp all game long. Like it just gave the sense of a team that wasn't really locked in. And I'm not about to sit here and say, Oh, well, they took their, opponent too easily or whatnot. I certainly hope that wasn't the case considering how bad they've been for most of the season, but it just, the whole game, like what you said about pulling away, um, there was a time in the game where they were like 10 or 11 from like 21 from three, like they were 50% from three. They were shooting really hot. They don't have a lot of these nights very often. And yet like their ball control, their like execution, it was just a little bit lackluster and you could just see that all game. And you knew like, like this could go the wrong way fast. And ultimately it did. Um, I think this is one of those things as we start learning more and more about Wimby's mindset, you know, I think since we talked last, there was the big article about his like health routines and his sleep and stuff and how he doesn't want the Spurs to call him after nine 30 and all that kind of stuff. I think as he grows older and he becomes more of the leader of the team, I don't think he is going to allow the team to have nights off like that. Like, I don't think he's going to let the psyche of the team go away, but you know, he's 20 years old. He's still young. He's still getting used to the NBA schedule. Um, and, and that was a very winnable game, but uh, I do think it, they were just not sharp on that night for any reason. But one thing that I did see that I thought was pretty funny, uh, the Jetty Osmond fan club account tweeted something like, uh, January 29th, there's been four games, including last night, where Jetty has like 20 plus points and a billion three pointers. Like, it's for whatever reason, January 29th, every time he plays on that night, he has a crazy night. I had no idea that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I didn't know either until after the game. And I was like, okay, that something about that's bizarre because it's happened. This is the fourth time now. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I thought the Timberwolves game was really a big win for them. One of the things that I think is interesting is, you know, it, the Spurs were in the midst of a big losing streak at the time. So every L just looks like an L, but in the end season tournament, their first game was against the Minnesota Timberwolves and they played a really good first mm-hmm. quarter, a bad second and third quarter, but they really hung around in the fourth quarter and gave themselves an opportunity to win that game late. So that's the second game they've played really close against the, the number one seed in the conference, which I thought was really interesting. Um, I, I also think that that Thunder game was bad. I, I'm a big proponent about not looking too much into single game plus minus. But mm-hmm. like you said, there's when it shifted into the non-competitive portion of the night, the Spurs were down by 32 and Wimby was a minus 11. So, you know, in like 20 minutes of play, the Spurs, that he was on the bench, the Spurs lost those minutes by like 20 points. Which, you know, like the minus 11 still isn't great, but it's just a theme that we're starting to see recently is with Trey Jones in the starting lineup, and Wimby at center, the starting lineup looks a whole lot better. In fact, on dunked on, um, Danny LaRue said something like, when Trey Jones is in the lineup and Wimby's at center, they're a plus 11 net rating, which is like insane. Like that's a really good net rating. But you notice that whenever I would say two or three of the four starters are off the floor and whenever Wimby's off the floor, like the team just isn't able to compete at that level. Um, so it, that's... 
that's kind of been a trend that's really popping up lately is like, Hey, this, the starting lineup actually is very competitive with even mm-hmm. the best teams in the league, which is really encouraging to see. But then when Wimby goes out, like all of a sudden the team just kind of stops functioning. So much of it is built around his skill set, even already that they don't really have an answer when he goes to the bench. Yeah. One thing I wanted to say about the Minnesota when, um, why, why I think it was really substantial for them or really important was because, you know, in January, they're going to, this has obviously been their best month of the season. You know, they've already got five wins in this month. Um, they, they had had just five from in the other three months combined, October through December. And the, and the thing was like, it, it, some of these games, we kind of expected them to win. You know, they, they beat Portland, um, they beat Charlotte, they beat the Wizards, you know, so they're, these are these bad teams, Detroit. So this is why that Minnesota win was so important because you can't just say, oh yeah, it's just all these bad teams that they're beating. Like they actually beat a really good team there and it shows that on a really good night, um, they can, you know, they have the potential to beat even, even a really good team like Minnesota. And so I think that's what, that's what keeps the rest of the season more interesting now is that you can't just say, oh, and they're going to play this top five team that they're automatically going to lose. Like, no, they, you know, they might be competitive. We'll, we'll actually see what happens. And then, and then, uh, you know, when I saw that happen, when um you know they, they get blown out by the thunder and then uh you know they lose they beat the wolves but then okc lost to detroit a few nights later so it's like you know how much you know where where are these two top top two teams out west right now uh so moving on from the games let's talk about just some notable um um uh items i have here on the agenda just uh some things that have been mentioned so uh for number one let's just talk about how, kind of the popularity that, that Wemby's brought to the to the spurs so the nba on on tuesday released their current jersey sales for this season and Wemby has the number four selling jersey right now top five selling jersey and then of course with Wemby's jersey being sold that means the team uh, is getting a lot of merchandise sold and so they the spurs right now ranked ninth in, in um team merchandise sales according to the nba so that was just kind of that was interesting to note um, uh, we do want to note that as you and I are recording this on Tuesday, the trade deadline is next Thursday, February 8th. So by this time, uh, a little bit past this time next week, the trade, de- trade deadline, um, will 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 be approaching. Uh, we do want to note though, that uh, regarding the rumor mill, there hasn't been much actually with San Antonio. It's been very quiet for the past week. So I, and actually for a lot of teams too, it's kind of gotten kind of quiet. It's kind of like the same r- rumors are being reported. So I do wonder if now this, and this going into this final weekend before trade deadline, if teams are kind of just like sitting down, looking at what, what options they have on their board and then maybe thinking about how they're going to start getting more aggressive next week when, when that, when that deadline starts approaching on Thursday. And then uh, one last thing I wanted to note regarding um, one of the players on the Spurs is a uh, Zach Collins's contract. So, um, you know, it's, uh, there, there's been this debate among some Spurs fans where they've seen that Dominic Barlow has played really well. Zach Collins has kind of struggled since he's come back from his injury and he's actually back on the injury report again. But because of that, they were, you know, I've, I've been getting some, some mentions in my, in my, on my Twitter accounts of people saying, you know, trade Zach Collins, trade Zach Collins. I just want to clarify to those people that are saying that, that, that according to Bobby Marks, um, because Zach signed that, that, that um, veteran extension in October, 2023, last, last off season, um, or right before the season started, he cannot be traded for a full year since he signed that veteran extension. So the, so the earliest he can be traded is October, 2024. So this trade deadline, you won't see Zach mention any rumors because he can't be traded. Then even, even for the summer, uh, you probably won't see him in any rumors as well. So, so those are just three different items I, I wanted to mention there. Did you have any, did you, did you want to talk about any of those? Uh, I guess just real quick, one of the things just to kind of cue the listeners or viewers into is a lot of the times, whether it's trade deadline or free agency, and we would expect a lot of movement, but all of a sudden things got really quiet. What you need to look at is the bottlenecks. And I think there are two situations in this case where a lot of teams who are making trades are either interested in trading for one of these two players or the trade they want to make probably can't happen until these two trades happen. And that's a trade for Zach Levine and a trade for DeJounte Murray. Mm-hmm. So the big part of the reason why the trade deadline is so or the trade chatter is so quiet right now is 
you know, a lot of teams really can't make moves until those two moves happen because they need to see what the landscape looks like. A lot of the teams are maybe in the race for one of those teams, or maybe there's a team that is interested in Busevich, but they don't think that he'll even be available for trade unless they do trade Levine, you know, so there's a lot of that kind of stuff going on. Um, but yeah, I, I think the a big reason why the the names they get named about the Spurs a lot, which are really just Osman, uh, Graham, and McDermott, are mm-hmm. mostly because they're players who like in spot roles can help a team that's like a playoff team. Like, I mean, you think of um like Marco Bellinelli with Philadelphia, I think it was like 2016 or 2017, you know. They're they're players who even if they don't have uh even if they have some weaknesses that, that fans might get driven crazy by, like as the seventh or eighth member of a playoff team, that player can contribute. And so um it'll be interesting, I think. You know, a lot of the times this stuff doesn't heat up until a day or two before. So we generally record around this time of week. So we might not even really have much news to report yeah. <laughs> uh, a week from now. But yeah, it's um, it's just interesting. I think those are the two that we need to look out for. And once one or two of those happen, I think that things are going to really start ramping up again. Yeah, and, and also I would even say some some substantial, you know, some some players, um, marquee name players have been already moved. You know, R.J. Barrett. Um, um, OG Ananobi already got moved. Um, uh, who was the guy who went to the Pacers? Um, Pascal Siakam. So like, there's already been some trades, but yeah, I, obviously things will ramp up next week. You know, there's just been every year, and especially with those contenders and teams that are going to be like in the, in the first and second apron, there's all sorts of penalties, so they're going to have to be figuring out their salaries as well. So I think we will see some movement um, starting next week. All right, so, and then uh, some other news that came out on Tuesday was that this is not surprising news. Victor Wembanyama, along with Chet Holmgren, um, uh, Jaime Hawkins Jr., Scoot Henderson, Brandon Miller, Bilal Koulibaly, and then other 11 other rookies, they were named to the um, to, to the Rising Stars team. So, of course, you know, Wemby's had a great season along with some of these other rookies. And so this is not this is not um, too unexpected. Um, so the, just a quick breakdown of how this game is going to take place. It's going to be on, on um, All-Star Friday night. Uh, February 16th, it's going to be a four-team mini tournament where there's going to be three teams of rookies and sophomores combined. So seven players uh, get drafted and onto three different teams. And then there's going to be one team with just solely G League players. They'll have a little tournament where they're going to play three games with the target score of trying to get up to 40 points, first team to 40 wins. And then in the final, whoever makes it to the championship round, it's going to be uh, first team to get to 25. So this is... Yeah, this is interesting because I, I don't recall myself watching last year, um, last year's rookie rookie sophomore game because I, I, I know they had this part of it, but I, I just probably wasn't as enthusiastic to watch it on that Friday. But now I'm definitely going to watch because, I mean, there's a chance now I had thought going into this, oh, we get to see Wemby and Chet together on the same team. But I don't know with that draft approach. I think we might see them actually have to go up against each other, which will be interesting if it, if it ends up being like semi-competitive because I know sometimes they want, just want to put on a show for the fans, all the players. What are your thoughts on um, Wemby being named to this Rising Stars team? Yeah, obviously, you know, he, he was a player that was going to be on this team uh he was going to be in this uh all-star event i think also uh i think it was an official announcement that he was going to be in the skills challenge as well so mm-hmm. he's, he's going to be part of friday and saturday night um and we're going to talk more about sunday a little bit later but um you know i think what's interesting to me is um again i talked about it earlier Wimby's mindset, his like psyche and all that kind of stuff. I don't think he goes out there and you tell him, Oh, it's just an exhibition game. Like, you know, yeah. it's not a big deal. Like I, I still think he tries to like do his thing. Like every yeah. minute he's on the court, which is really interesting. And I think if him and Chet go up against each other, that might be the most entertaining game of the weekend, you know, because all-star game, like sometimes mm-hmm. you get so non-competitive, but like if Chet and Wimby are playing against each other, you know, they're going to go at it no matter like how much of an exhibition game it is. So I, I think it can be a really exciting game. I think, you know, if, um, 
You know, I know they have rookies and sophomores. Did they announce the sophomores already? Yeah, they rookies? also announced the sophomores. Palabun, okay. a few others um, are on Okay. There. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so that'll be interesting to see kind of like where he lands on, on like that. And I think that the format is very cool. I think, it, you know, they've, they've been trying to find different ways to spruce up some of these other mm-hmm. things. And I think a tournament format where they draft players is the best idea uh, that I've heard from them in a while when it comes to this. And I, you know, just again, knowing how competitive and how um, much he wants to dominate everything he does, you know, talking about winning the press conference, like, you know, I'm going to be tuning into that thinking that he's going to be trying to do crazy stuff, which makes it more fun for sure. Yeah. And it just recalls what the way, you know, he and Chet went at it in that last game against so with Spurs versus OKC for like all three quarters is kind of, you know, they were kind of not guarding each other in the same match, but then that fourth quarter comes. And even when the Spurs were down like 15, 16 points, Wemby was very competitive in Chet. You know, they were just kind of going right at each other when they were matched up alongside each other. So again, that, that'll be really interesting to watch um, on all-star Friday night plus Saturday night, like you said, when he plays in the skills challenge. And so then now um, for our final topic, uh, let's just address here, Colin, let's kind of just kind of have a discussion about, you know, what are Wemby's chances, you know, of making the actual all-star team on that, on that Sunday game, you know, how, how strong are they or are they not very strong? So let's first um, look at the players that are already in uh, the players that are the all-star starters in the Western conference. And these players were voted in by the fans, media and, um, and fellow players. So that's Luka Doncic of the Mavericks. He's got one spot. Um, Shea Gildas Alexander of the Thunder. He's got another spot. LeBron James of the Lakers. Uh Kevin Durant of the Suns and then Nikola Jokic of, of the uh, Suns. I mean, of the, not the Suns, of the Nuggets. So five players are locked in there. So then, uh, the, the, so the, the thing to, to note is, is who's who's going to get to vote for the reserves. It's not it's not the fans. It's not the it's not the media. It's the coaches. So the coaches have the uh, get to pick the other um, the other the other spots there uh, for the reserve list. And so the way their their ballot breaks down is they can pick two guards three front court players and uh, two wild card players. So that's what that that's, that's the amount of slots that the, uh, that the coaches are allowed to pick. So that's what one, two, uh, five, six, seven players, seven players they have to decide on. Okay. So kind of just to give us a baseline of where I want to start with is I want to start with, with the, with the list that Zach Lowe kind of mentioned on his, on his most recent podcast, one of his most recent episodes. And just cause I, you know, I, I really, um uh, I really um, enjoy listening to Zach's podcast and also, you know, you know, take his, um, his his analysis very very seriously so so what we'll do is we'll kind of break down each player that he mentions and, and then we'll kind of um say do we agree or disagree and then and then maybe who else do we think gets in there and then again we're going to kind of make our way down until we see kind of where victor would, would play out in this so one of his first players for that guard spot is anthony edwards do you agree with him there i i do yeah i think so i think i have another player in pin at the guard spot ahead of anthony edwards but i i'm certain okay. that anthony edwards will get in the next, the next spot he has more so as a lock for the guard spot is Stephen Curry. Uh, yeah, that was mine. Yeah, okay. you had you have Steph locked in there. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. See, on my list, I would have Booker. I I feel like that numbers are close. I mean, Booker's a little ahead. I'm not I'm not looking at efficiency. By the way, when I'm just looking at talking about numbers, I'm just throwing in points, rebounds, assists. Just very basic or steals, blocks. You know, very basic stats here. Um, so uh, I I had Booker. Um, just I, I don't know. I just I, I know that he has Durant as well, but I I feel like he's done a lot. I know the Sun. And right now that you and I are taping this, um, the Suns are sixth right now in the Western Conference. The Warriors are are twelfth. Um, so so either way, we both see either either Booker, Steph getting that second guard spot. Okay. Uh, next player he has is Paul George. Where do you, where do you think about him being in that front court spot? Um, so that again, there, I have another player ahead of him in terms of like, uh, Anthony Davis. I think Anthony okay. Davis is a no brainer all-star yes. candidate, but I do think Paul George is an almost certainty in my mind. Okay. So I, I would, if I had to put Paul, I would put him more so in the, in the wild card slot. I wouldn't put him either. as one of the, one of the locks for the front court. So, uh, so the, the next player is Kawhi Leonard. I do have him as a lock in the front court. Do you have Kawhi? Oh yeah. Yeah. Easily. Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry. I had Kawhi even ahead of AD. Yeah. Yeah. So Kawhi AD is my two. Yeah. Leader. I'm just going more so like positional. Um, yeah. yeah. 
And then also the last front court spot um, is Davis. Uh, so Zach has Zach Lowe has Davis. I have Anthony Davis there as well. And then you said you already said Davis. So then who would be that third player besides? So you said um, Davis, Kawhi, and who's that third player in the front court for you? Uh, so I think it, it get, that is where it gets a little bit tough for me because yeah, me too. the wild mm-hmm. cards in there. So like for me, you have a lot of different options. Paul George could have be one. Um, Gobert, you know, the number one team on the mm-hmm. Western Conference, defensive player of the year, leader right now. Um there is, I mean, Markman has had a Towns has had a great case. Uh Sabonis. Sabonis. I mean, okay, so that's yeah. that's actually who I had it. For me, that's who I had. I had Sabonis there. Yeah. Um, just because I mean the Kings are what, what I have his rank as um, Sabonis. Where's he? At? Okay, they're fifth right now in the Western Conference. I mean, um, not, almost twenty points a game, thirteen rebounds, eight assists. I know I know Fox is there too with him. They're they're obviously both um, leaders of the Kings, but um, I just feel like he does a little bit more out there for, for them in, in terms of they got to get some. I think one King out there. So who who would yeah. you as your third front court player would it be? Oh man, you don't have to call. Think, if you don't have to pick. You just have yeah. somebody else in mind, right? Somebody there, one of those guys. Yeah, I, okay. I, th- I think it'd be Sabonis. Um, okay, is who I would have it. So now we have the two wild card spots. Um, so Zach had, uh, well, he, for, there he had Booker because he had Curry as well. Uh, my wild card would be there. I would probably put um, Curry because I had Booker up top, and so now Curry's there for me as a wild card. Who's your first wild card pick? I, I think mine would be Ant at this point. It would be like that's where I would put him because I'd have uh, Curry and Booker as the two. Oh, okay, um, you'd have Curry, yeah. Booker, one, two. Okay, and then Ant yeah, is, and then yeah. yeah. As the uh, as a wild card, and then the second wild card, this one gets tough for me. This is where it kind of opens the door uh, for some players. So um, let me just read the candidates that haven't been named yet. So there's there's a, there's De'Aaron Fox, there's there's Sabonis, there's Towns, there's Gobert. Uh, you know, it doesn't have a strong case, but Jamal Murray's out there. Alperin Shengun, uh, the, the 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 Rockets are eleventh. Um, you got Markinen out there tenth. The Pelicans are a really good team this year, eighth eighth right now in the Western Conference, and and both Zion and and Brandon Ingram's numbers are pretty similar to each other. So there's a chance I, one of them could get in. And then uh, the last player who I think you know get some consideration is Wemby there um you know um 20 20.6 points per game right now 10.1 rebounds 3.1 assists and 3.1 blocks to lead the NBA but the the issue compared to all these players of course is not his fault but he's on the, his team is last right now in the Western Conference they're 15th the Spurs um and so right now who would your your wild card be I, I picked Markinen for that spot who would you say so um what I did before the pod was I took uh, I went to Crafted NBA, and if you go to their plus-minus section on their player stats, they have five different all-in-one plus-minus metrics. And I, I just looked at who would be the reserves based on the order of that. Like I looked at front court, front court, front court, back court, back court, and the two wild card. Uh, they have five different ones, and on all five of them, and this isn't going to be mine, and I don't think the coaches are going to vote him in either. All five, though, Harden made the list, which is oh, really wow. interesting. To He's me. Not, yeah. yeah. Because, you know, at first, obviously, they had a rough time going when Mm -hmm. he was there, but, like, they have since turned it around, and apparently the metrics love him. Uh, You know, Markkanen, they had a great stretch there as well in in Utah. I think they went, like, 12-2 and over, like, a 14-game stretch or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I'm going to go Gobert, like, because in my mind, in my mind, I think, okay, you have the number one team in a conference, and then you have a team who, or a player who is currently in the lead for defensive player of the year. And like, that's half the game, right? So to me, it's like, I want to give it to the guy that's like, first of all, on a team that's winning a lot. And then second of all is considered the best defensive player of the season. But yeah, I think there's like five players that could go into this last spot for sure. And so going back to my, my, my pick on Mark and I was, I, I don't want to say that's actually my selection. What I would say is I was trying to put myself in the mindset of the coach because that's who's picking. Mm. So I even did some research. I went back to last season's squad 
And I looked and coaches, they, they rarely give um, spots to, pl- to, to, to players who aren't on winning teams, basically. Like if you're not like top eight, top 10, because the playing tournament now, it's the, the only, only four players got in last year that were kind of their team was 11th or 12th. And that was, um, that was last year. Dame's team, uh, uh, Portland was, was 11th at this time at all-star break. So he got in, uh, Shea, Shea got in, um, his, the Thunder were 11th. They were barely, um, you know, starting to make that, that, that first, um, steps toward growth. Uh, DeRozan got in with the Bulls at 11th and then also, um, Tyrese Halliburton with, with the Pacers. So, uh, again, if you're putting your minds to the coaches, they really want to reward winning players. And then, and then I think if, if Wemby does have a chance, um, I would say it's only because coaches, they, they really think about game planning, you know, how, how much they're, they're talking about how much he impacts the game, especially, especially defensively. I think if, if they were to put him in, uh, um, I think that's where their, their mindset is at is, you know, how much when they have to game plan for him or, or their, t- their players have to worry about where he's at on the floor, then that's really made a big impact just in his rookie year. But again, I, I think it's going to be tough for him just based on all these other players who aren't even getting in yet that we haven't mentioned. And so even if there's like one or two injury reserves, I still think some of these other players that we're mentioning uh, uh, get a player in before Wemby. So again, I, I think his chances are very slim, at least th- this year. If he were to make it, it's because the coaches really respect what he's doing out there on the floor right now in terms of just completely um, changing changing the floor for for, the, for their players out there. What are, what are your thoughts on his chances? Yeah, so I... And, and first of all, I want to start this off by saying, you know, I think that Wimby is very close, which is amazing to say, mm-hmm. uh, first of all, rookie player. But also, there are only six to eight front court players in any given conference that can be on the all-star team. It's a very, very small number. So saying that Wimby is the 10th best front court player in the Western Conference is not a slight to him. It's just a very small group of guys that even can get on here. Um, I think... To me, I, I do think because of where they are right now, where the Spurs are as a team, he doesn't make it. But just seeing the growth of this team, I think he makes it next year. And I think he makes it every healthy season of his career oh, yeah. until he's post-prime, which now like we're talking about like eight dead plus all-stars starting next year. And and even I was thinking about it earlier today. If the season started today and the Spurs played like they have over the past 15 games or so for the first 50 games, I think he would make the all-star team. I just think it's a case of they were just lost in the wilderness for so long. Like that November and the December just, I think really take just chances here. Rookie of the year is luckily a year long. Award, yes. Yes. And I think he's starting to recover. <laughs> uh, but you know, when something is only looking at 45 to 50 games and there's two months where your team was just so, so bad. I think it's hard to overcome that. Um, I think his chances, I actually, you know, I was listening to Dunker Spot and they were making jokes about how a lot of the times the head coaches don't even make the picks. They give it to their assistant yeah. coaches mm-hmm. and the video guys. And I actually think that's where it helps Wimby because you're talking about like the video guys who are having to cut up the plays or the assistant coaches who are having to make the game plans. And they're like, gosh, this guy, like <laughs> we have to game plan for Wimby. Yes. You know, mm-hmm. so I think that that's, that actually might help him a little bit. But I think ultimately he is now today playing at like an all-star fringe all-star level it's just the fact that like looking at the season as a whole and where the spurs were for november and december i just think you know like you said putting a coach hat on like coaches have so much pride in winning and rewarding Mm -hmm. winning and rewarding impacting winning and all that kind of stuff and so i think yeah like i said if if they were playing like they have for the past 15 games all season i think he would be close to a lock but that hasn't been the case so i think that it's going to probably go to a player who's on a team that has won more than 10 games. You know, and this is where uh, it, this is going away from all-star, but this is, this is kind of wild that, that we were talking about these players and we didn't even mention Chet here. 
And right now, you know, going into into January, you would have said that Chet's the favorite to win Rookie of the Year. But the fact that Wemby's already like I think already passing him in terms of just like looking at All Star type players, I think that this past month since uh, since Pop basically made him the five, and since Trey Jones started starting alongside him, um, he's kind of picked up his level. I, I think for sure he's going to get the the January play, uh, Rookie of the Month for for the Western Conference. Like that, I think that's for sure. Even though of course the Spurs won't have the, the amount of wins the Thunder have, the fact that they have like five or six by the end of this month, it's going to look more respectable. And then just his numbers are far and away above mm-hmm. Chet now at this point in this past month. And so I think that regarding the rookie of the year race, I think that's going to be a lot closer. And, and maybe Victor does definitely has a chance to, to pass him up now that he started to play a lot better and the Spurs have started to pick it up a little bit more. So, um, yeah. yeah well, like, one interesting thing mm-hmm. about that real quick. So just, you mentioned Chet, something that I was thinking of earlier, it like, you know, a little bit of heartburn for anyone trying to do these picks. You know, Kawhi is in the Western Conference. Paul George is in the Western Conference. Uh, Jokic is in the Western Conference. LeBron is still in the Western Conference and he's just going to be an all-star until he's not. Like, Yes, I, mm-hmm. he's probably going to go on next year too. Uh, like, just look at the front court players that are there, and now all of a sudden we have three fringe All Star candidates coming from the front court all this year in Sengun, uh, Wimby, and Chet. Like, yes. Chet's going to be an All Star candidate next year. Like, getting into the All Star game in the front West court, the West front court is going to be so challenging for like the next twenty years. Like, I, I don't even know how you make these decisions anymore. I didn't even mention Sabonis, who's been there all the time. Gobert, who's had a big like. There's just so many good front court players in the West, and three more players just showed up to the scene this year alone. It's it's wild. Yeah, actually, even four because uh, when I was looking at last year's number, um, teams, Durant was on Brooklyn. He was a starter. And oh now, yeah. Now Kevin yeah. Durant joined the Western Conference. Yes, like it was oh, one of those spots. I mean, yeah, you're right, man. Going forward. That's going to be a competitive race. And that's why, you know, overall, like you mentioned, you know, again, the coach, it's the coaches who are making the picks, not us, not the, not the media, not the, not the fans. And so I think, again, they, they definitely have to reward winning. And I think they have to ask themselves, you know, some of these teams, you know, in, in the top, they're only going to have one all-star, you know, how can Minnesota just have, they're the number one team right now. How can they just have one all-star? How can, um, you know, Sacramento or New Orleans uh, uh, be, be a playoff type team and they're not, they're just going to go, you know, one or maybe no all-stars. So I think that's, that's the kind of questions the coaches will ask themselves. And that's why I think that Wemby's chances are, are, are minimal, but if he were to get in that that surprise chance, I think that's showing you that the coach is super like really expect what respect what he's doing out there on the court, even as just a, a 20 year old rookie out there right now. And, and you mentioned it actually, now that you're saying that I don't want to be like conspiracy tinfoil hat guy, but putting your coach brain on is different than putting your commissioner hat on who the commissioner makes it oh, yes. for injury replacements. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, oh, like yeah. there might there, there, there's a couple of players who are in this list, but I mean, if you're the commissioner and you want to draw attention to Sunday night and there's oh, an injury, yeah. well, you might. Yeah. So, so I mean, like the coach hat and the commissioner hat are also two different hats. I can, I think you know what? That's a new wrinkle. I just thought yeah. about that. I mean, I didn't think about that. You just, wow. Yeah. The commissioner that's yeah. So we'll see. I mean, We'll see what happens, man. It's going to be interesting. And so um, the All-Star Reserves picks will come out on Thursday evening. So that, that that's so we'll know for sure, you know, uh, who gets in and who, and who doesn't. So, um, all right. So that kind of wraps up this episode. Uh, before we, we we close out this episode, do you want to mention how uh, the schedule for next week? So I'm going to try to record one more Spurs cast uh, uh, before the trade deadline. Hopefully there's there's some other rumors coming out around that time. If not, we'll just cover uh, how the team's been doing within this past week. And then on Thursday, right after the deadline's over and all the moves are made, I, I will do a podcast immediately after the trade deadline and um, try to get that uploaded as soon as possible kind of just give a quick reaction to uh, the spurs if they made any moves on, on that day so so again we'll see what happens there uh, with the trade deadline next week uh thank you to colin for joining me here on this episode of the spurs cast if you like what you heard please subscribe rate and review on youtube and your favorite podcast apps this episode is written recorded and produced by paul garcia from all of us at project spurs stay safe and have a great day
If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.